Hello, boys and girls, and welcome to the Motorcycle Men Podcast. This is episode 235, and here we are in the V-Twin Cafe in the corner booth, and we got another interview for you. All right. The Motorcycle Man Podcast is brought to you by Scorpion Helmets. Now, for the last 15 years, Scorpion has been dedicated to offering high-quality, innovative motorcycle helmets and technical apparel at an incredible value. Some of the world's best helmets and apparel designers spend countless hours developing and testing Scorpion EXO products to ensure that each and every Scorpion EXO helmet and garment will surpass user expectations. So to learn more... You want to visit scorpionusa.com. And, of course, Shanko Tires. Now, whether if you're riding a sport bike, a scooter, some sort of off-road bike, a dual sport ride, or even a cruiser, hey, even a Harley-Davidson, doesn't matter. Shanko has a tire to suit your needs and your riding style without breaking your bank account. So it's time for tires for your bike. Think of Shanko. Go to shankotireusa.com and you tell them that the motorcycle men sent you. All right? The Motorcycle Men Podcast is supporting David's Dream and Believe Cancer Foundation. If you would like to help out and be a part of something that actually makes a difference, you donate today to David's Dream and Believe Cancer Foundation. You go to davidsdreamandbelieve.org to donate. Links will also be in the show notes. And, of course, the Gold Star Ride Foundation. If you want to help out, this is great. The Gold Star Ride Foundation is helping families of fallen soldiers and making a difference to the lives of those left behind. So if you would like to be a part of a great cause and get some heartfelt miles in, you go to goldstarride.org and learn how you can participate in the next Gold Star Ride. Sometimes when you travel, you just can't take your motorcycle with you. Or you just can't ride. Because either you're traveling with family or you're on a business trip and there's no downtime to enjoy the two wheels. Or maybe you decide to take a trip to a destination that's so far away, you just don't have the time available to ride to the destination. So what you end up doing is you end up flying there, you end up renting a car, and then you get to see it all from the confines and comfort of a little container, and you peer through the windows at the world as you drive by. And that sucks. But there's another option, and my guest is here tonight to tell you all about your other options. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Motorcycle Men Podcast. Joining me today in the V-Twin Cafe, all the way from, where are you? Los Angeles. Oh, Los Angeles. Mr. Eric Severson. Did I get that right? Pretty good. Eric Severson, yes. Okay. Uh, With Eagle Rider. Eric, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ted. I'm really excited to be here. I am glad you are. So why don't you, I, I mean, everybody got to know who Eagle Rider is, but why don't you tell us a little bit about your motorcycle self okay. and what you do? All right. So um, I, I started riding a little bit with just little fat tech racers in my neighborhood with friends who in their pasture, you know, dodging cows, a little 70cc Kawasaki. Dodging that cows. Little- Hold on. Dodging cows. <laughs> Dodging cows are more more likely they were dodging us, but it was still sharing the sharing the space with cows out in the field, and okay, that was loads right. of fun. And <laughs> okay. my 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 very first ride actually though was on a little fifty cc Honda, little three speed, and I got it to third gear wide open, and I was smiling all the way down that little lane. It was in that same field I just told you about, 
And then it wasn't until I was 17 years old or just 18 maybe that I, I um, had an experience that kind of changed my life. And I decided I need to get a Harley Davidson. And it didn't take long. It took actually about five years from that moment from my 17-year-old self to, to be the owner of a 1983 Sportster. There you go. Um, which I loved. It was yeah. A, a, yeah, a, a great, great, great bike. And uh, got really very deeply into the whole culture of motorcycles and riding. And yeah. um, it, it ended up to become my lifestyle. It became my profession and pretty much all-inclusive of everything I did. And um, I just couldn't be happier with the adventures that I've had because of the motorcycle. How long did you have that Sportster? I had that Sportster for about three or four years. Um, I had a 87 Sportster then for a while and then um, went to a 1977 Ironhead. So you went backwards. I sure did. And that was just loads of fun. I got I got respected everywhere I went with that bike. But and I also met a lot of people because I broke down about every 700 miles. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that would happen with that. But you know what, Ted? It's true, though. I seriously, on that old 77, I'd, I'd be on the side of the road trying to figure out how to get my clutch lever that just fell off for no reason back on or my whatever it was that happened weird. And I seriously met so many beautiful people because they, they'd stop to help me. Yeah, and yeah. With, an old, with an old bike like that, especially if you had somebody who knew what they were doing, next thing you know, I got it in the back of their pickup truck and I'm in their garage and they're helping me go one step deeper into the bike. And my claim to fame with that bike is I was on my way to bike week um, from Charlottesville. I was living in Charlottesville, Virginia, All right. in the, trying to get down to bike week in Daytona, and I made it. And on the way back, I broke down in Savannah. I hitchhiked with a broken motorcycle all the way back hundreds and hundreds of miles with about four different rides um, back to Virginia. And that, that, <laughs> there you I go. thought that wow. was pretty darn cool. That's awesome. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. People don't completely suck. No, not at all. <laughs> all right. So what do you do, though? Okay. So I, um, with Eagle Rider, I've been with a company called Eagle Rider for 12 years, a little over 12 years now. And I started a motorcycle touring company in 1996 uh, called Ride Free Motorcycle Tours. Oh, okay. And I was, I was doing tours for mo- mostly international people, um, the American Southwest, Route 66, the Pacific Coast Highway. And so I'd bring these guys over and they'd live the, the life of an outlaw for five days or seven. Usually it was eight day trips, so eight days or two weeks and then go home and, uh, and ha- have their lives changed. And they, they really loved it. I was renting motorcycles from Eagle Rider. And one day I was just looking at what my company was doing, which it was growing. Yeah. And I, I was teaching at the same time at UCLA. And and I saw Eagle Rider's growth. And I just said to myself, you know what? I, I want to be part of that before it gets too far off the ground. Yeah. So that was in... 2007 um, sent an email to one of the owners the next day I was in their office and it was growing so quickly they basically offered me one of four jobs which one do you want and I chose fleet management because I thought it would be the hardest yeah. and I did that for five years then I went into international wholesale went into business development and um, my my most recent thing was develop was still business development um, focusing both internationally and um on a local level. So oh, wow. it's been a fun, wild ride. And yeah, Eagle Better continued to grow just like I thought it would. I sold my company um, to a guy named Will Sikowski in 2008. I just talked to him yesterday, actually, that his, he's running the company well. And it's fun to see that going well. And um, and then uh, Eagle Better still I'm gonna have to. I'm going to have to contact him. Oh, he, you'd love him. He's a character. He's in, he's in North Carolina now. Oh, okay. Cool. I'll have to do that. Uh, so why don't you tell us a little bit about Eagle Rider 
if, you know, again, I, I'm, I find it hard to believe that anybody doesn't know Eagle Rider, but tell us about Eagle Rider and what its main purpose is. Okay, so I'm going to start by kind of commenting on what you said, Ted. It's so rewarding to me. I was in Washington, D.C. and then Denver the last few weeks for the international motorcycle shows. Yeah. And well, you I met you in New York. I met you in that's New right, York. That's right. That's yes. right. We saw each other in New York. That was a great meeting. I yeah. loved it. And, and so you don't know how rewarding it is when somebody comes up to me at a motorcycle event and says, I didn't know you could rent a motorcycle because it's still not part of the common consciousness really? yet. You know, we're in the industry, so we think it is. Internationally, in Europe particularly, it's much more established, motorcycle vacations as a thing to do, yeah. motorcycle rentals. But in the States, we're still getting there. The rentals have caught up a little bit, but the idea of taking a vacation on a motorcycle is still an oddity in the United States. We're catching up quickly. But in Australia, in the UK, in, in all of Europe, and even parts of Asia now, it's really becoming a normal thing. And, and that's great. What, I'm, what I like about that is it shows how much bigger the market can get. Yeah. And yeah. so... Um, and Eagle Water was founded by two really interesting men, Jeff Brown and Chris McIntyre are their names. Mm -hmm. They were in the corporate world. They watched the movie um, Harley Davidson and Marlboro Man up in Malibu. You know, I've never seen that movie. Ted. Do I need I to see that? Up right now. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Are you kidding me? Really? I've never you've seen gotta, it. You've got to see All that right. movie. Uh, so sit back and enjoy the ride because it's just a fun movie. It's a B movie. It's a biker movie, but it's a no load of fun. Okay. I didn't so know that. So they saw that movie and they decided, you know what? They're young guys. Yeah. Let's go get motorcycles and rent them. And man, we're going to be able to pick up all the chicks in the world. They wanted to do it in Europe, I think, actually. They started looking into motorcycle rentals. And this is in the very early 90s. And didn't really see it. So they decided, you know, this might be something to pursue. Um, Jeff wrote a business plan in grad school about a motorcycle rental company. And his yeah. professor basically said, that'll never work. Oh, <laughs> and, surprise. <laughs> surprise, right. And you know what? With all these challenges, Chris and Jeff just kept pushing and pushing and pushing. Of course, insurance is a massive issue. How do you have a fleet and maintain these all these bikes? Keep them safe. Keep them people safe and having fun. And in the end, now Eagle Rider has, it started with four bikes in a garage and they actually didn't know where it was going to go. As soon they personal money, they borrowed money, you know, got four bikes. Yeah. The first customers were from Austria. I think it was, they came over as soon as the bikes rode away from a garage guys, mm -hmm. garage next to his bandsaw type thing. And the, the Chris and Jeff and the Peter Wormer was also with them. He is kind of one of the owners way early on. They said, what do we do? These bikes are never going to come back. You know, these European bikers <laughs> yeah. just left with all our money. And two weeks later, the bikers came back, gave them a bottle of Jack Daniels, took them out to dinner, and with tears in their eyes, saying, said, we've been dreaming about this trip since we were seven years old, looking at a picture of Elvis with his Harley on our wow. wall in Austria. And they were crying. And Chris and Jeff realized, we've tapped into something good. Wow. And then fast forward 20, what are we, 28 years since 1992, something like that, um, 28 years ago, um, now we, the Eagle has hundreds of locations, thousands of motorcycles, and we continue to try and, and I say we, I'm really affiliated with Eagle I don't, I don't go into the office every day, but um, still love the company, um, provide dreams for people. Wow. That is, that's an amazing story that is. And Isn't I wonder, you know, I wonder how many people have that same exact experience. 
Oh, I, if somebody's having a bad day uh, in the corporate office of, uh, office of Wetter, sometimes we suggest that they go to the rental counter during a return of a big group. And then you see all these people from Brazil or Australia or whatever, or the U.S. too, of course, hugging and crying, talking about what a great trip they had. Because it is, it's, it happens over and over. I can't tell you, Ted, how many times I've heard either best trip of my life or changed my life. And wow. that's from just... Deciding to get on a motorcycle, and particularly those moments are from the guided tours, where they really become a family in a period of between a week and two, little over two weeks. Oh, sure, mostly. absolutely. Uh, well, currently, how many Eagle Rider locations are there in the United States? Quick answer is 150. Real close to that. Oh, really? Now that includes Alaska and Hawaii. Absolutely. Yep. No kidding. What about internationally? Internationally, we've got Spain, we've got Italy, we've got three in Italy actually. Um, the last one we got Russia, and it's in Moscow. UK, New Zealand, um, few locations there. Four in Australia, I think. UK, soon to be, um, hopefully, will be Japan and China. Um, the very last one opened up was um, Morocco. So I'll actually be going out there in two no weeks kidding. to be riding with the new owners of Eagle Rider. Casablanca, and they're going to hopefully open another location in Marrakesh. So there's a really big international push because a lot of riders have done vacations in the States, then they've gone to Australia, and they're looking for kind of more exotic places as well. All right, so you guys are c continually expanding. Yeah, absolutely. Know. Now, how about South Africa and places like that? Um, I have a really good partner. Uh, he's not it's an affiliate there who yeah. we'll, we'll just kind of basically, it doesn't happen often enough, but we'll throw him business. So I've got good contacts for both BMW and Harley Davidson's in, in South Africa. Okay. Now the motorcycles that are available at Eagle Rider, are they same, the same motorcycles everywhere or does it depend largely on the location? Location. So if you want a Harley Davidson, you're covered. We've blanketed the United States and a lot of the world with Harley Davidsons. Um, but there are also a lot of Honda um, locations. The corporate location we have, uh, which is Los Angeles, we have, um, that's the headquarters. But then locations like um, San Francisco, like Las Vegas, Chicago, most of those have Harley Davidson, KTM, Husqvarna, side by sides, even BMW. Um, Triumph, Royal Enfield. So we've got the gamut from the little tiny, what is it, a Yamaha Bolt to the, you know, biggest cruisers, you know, a Goldwing, I guess, would be the biggest yeah. CC cruiser we got. So and everything between. But the the bulk of what we've got is Harley, but we have a lot of other brands. Yeah. Do you get a lot of people asking for like the big GSs? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Really? The, the GS, the GS is a really popular bike. And then also some of the, the triumph tiger people like that for a dual sport option as well. Yeah. Now wait, I imagine then if somebody's renting a GS, they have one thing in mind and is that they're, they're going to do some adventure riding. Now, is that a concern for you guys, though? No, you know what? Most people, they, if, some people have their hopped up, fixed up bike, and they're going to go out and punish the bike. Yeah. Um, when somebody gets one of our GSs, they're, they might do a little access road and, you know, kind of off the beaten path a little bit, but they're, they're usually not doing anything really adventurous. And that's, that's not what we're, we do have off-road only, only. Yeah. So people can come get one of our off-road bikes and then go out and knock themselves out. But for the GSs and stuff, most people are still pretty much staying on the road. Oh, okay. But, but, but it's just a different style of rider. Yeah, of course. Now, when somebody comes to you to, to rent a bike from Eagle Rider, what can they expect and what services are offered for, to the renter? Um, Eagle Water has become, it started as a motorcycle rental company. Yeah. It then totally 
figured out the guided tour space. So they do guided tours as well. Now, anything related to travel and two wheels, Eagle Rider will do from if you want a hotel and you're on two wheels, we know where to send you. Right. Um, we can get you know hotels for that. We do the self-drives. We do guided tours. There's the Club Eagle Rider thing where it's a subscription program where 29 bucks a month and they can just get one free rental credit per month type thing. And you know there's a lot of asterisks and you have to read the fine print to see exactly what it is. But basically, it's a free rental every month that keeps growing. And so we're, we're into everything two wheels. And that's why a lot of the manufacturers love us is because we're probably the biggest grower of ridership in the industry next to the schools, motorcycle safety foundation, for example. Um, yeah, yeah. Total controls. Another, so these, these, these ones are, we love them because they're also increasing ridership. Um, but, and that's, that's one of the goals. That's one of the big things we're doing, but we're, we're in every two wheel space that there is pretty okay. much. Now, well, speaking of the dealerships, and I don't know if anybody's ever thought to ask this question, but the motorcycles that people are renting, say they go to a Harley Davidson dealership and they want to rent from the, uh, one of your motorcycles. Are they uh-huh. renting one of yours or that you've put in that location? Or are these actual Harley Davidson motorcycles from that dealership that they're renting? Mm-hmm. Most often, they're renting a bike that is owned by Eagle Rider. Okay. However, dealers do have an option to own their uh, rental, mo- some of their rental motorcycles. Oh, okay. So it, it, so it can be either. Um, just because um, they have, a, of course, a little more freedom if they're renting the a bike that they, they own versus the, the corporate bike that's at their location. Oh, okay. All right. Now, will Eagle Rider pick up the rider renter from their hotel or airport? Uh, that depends, totally depends on the location. As a platform, the answer is no, right. but a lot of GMs just want to go the extra mile. So somebody will call them and, and, and they often do things like that. Oh, yeah. So the each, so each, indi- each location is independently operated then? Uh, not necessarily. There, there are pretty much, there are guidelines that they follow, but if you're going to do something extra special for somebody, that's yeah. up to the GM. Oh, okay. And, I and, and they often, and they often will. All right. Now you briefly mentioned, uh, the, the tours, and the yeah. group tours. Uh, what does a rider get with the guided or, or even the self-guided tours? The quick answer is one of the best experiences of their life. And I'll explain <laughs> that. So give me the long get, answer. Yeah. So, so they get the bike, they get the, the, um, the, uh, there's a one bike in front and usually our guided tours are capped at 15 motorcycles, which is a good size for a group. Sure. Then you got a van driver in back. So you're fully guided. Um, and you could put luggage in the van as well. They, you've got, Breakfasts are always included. You have a big welcome dinner, and then you have a big celebration dinner at the end. Gas is included. Mm-hmm. So pretty much everything other than lunch, dinner, souvenirs, um, snacks. That you know, and that 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 that's about it. Wow. And the the, the best part about it, Ted, is that. You're immediately in a group because we all know what it's like to some hate it, some love it to to ride in a group of motorcycles, yeah. but they bond so quickly because a lot of these people have been riding as an individual for years, and yeah. then they finally are living their dream of riding with this group of people. You also get a free jacket that you keep when you're oh, riding really? with the Eagle Rider Tour. That's nice. And so, and so that that common bond of wearing the same jacket that says Eagle Rider on the back, and you know, getting up and hugging. And of course, the the riding is important, but we do excursions. If you go to Grand Canyon trip around the the Southwest, you're going to get a helicopter trip included. Um, Up in Washington State through the Cascades, you might do a river rafting trip. So there's a little bit uh, more than just the motorcycle. And the funny thing, Ted, one of my favorite parts of the tours 
is between 3 and 5 p.m. usually. You're done with the day of riding. You've got a bee stuck to your face. You're a little <laughs> dusty from the ride and a little tired from the ride. You pull into a quaint, you know, neat hotel on Route 66 or wherever you are. The van driver is going to go get the keys to the hotel. The, the tour guide's going to open up the back of the van, open the, the cooler. You're going to grab a beer. You're going to grab a Coke. You're going to grab whatever, you know, something to, to drink. And then you sit back with your bikes all parked there together and start talking about the day's ride. And what were you thinking that day? Did you see the yeah. deer on the side of the road? Did, wasn't that weird when it froze when we went over that bridge? Yeah. And, and then just kind of like unwinding. And usually it lasts between 15 minutes and an hour. Just that neat time of sharing our experiences on, on the road for that day. And then, you know, you go maybe take a shower, maybe not, go to dinner and, and move on from there. But I love that just off the bike moment sure. before you even get cleaned up. Yeah. Now, with your tours, are, are the accommodations all taken care of? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. that's nice. Yeah. That's really and, good. And because we do whole, such volume, we do, of course, millions of dollars of hotel bookings. We'll stay at the same hotels. So you couldn't drive the same route that we do and stay at the same places we do for cheaper than it costs for our guided trip. Just because, no of course, we, we, we work in, in bulk. So, oh, so And okay. we encourage people, try. If you want to try and copy our route on the website, anybody can go to the website. Every yeah. single day, every single mile pretty much is listed out. You can copy our route and do it yourself, which is a great thing to do. Uh, but the fact is, it's probably not going to be as cheap as if you actually go for the guided trip. So the self-guided tour, which you offer, is not going to be as, as cheap as the guided tours. Oh, no, no, no. A uh, self-guided trip is a lot, uh, lot, lot less expensive, but right. it's still because they're getting our still wholesale room rates and things like oh, that. Oh, really? Okay. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah. Make, that makes a huge difference. Tell us about Absolutely. some of the places, some of the tours you offer. You know, my the, the most popular is the American Southwest, and there's a seven-day trip for the first half from basically L.A., Grand Canyon to Vegas, or there's a seven-day trip at the end from Vegas, Death Valley, Yosemite, San Francisco back to L.A., or that's one long trip for a little over two weeks. That's the most popular. Um, the second is Route 66. The third, which I think is just stunning is the Canadian Rockies to Yellowstone National Park. Wow. That sounds but, nice. But right now I'm most excited about two of them. One of them is um, Seattle to Alaska or just an Alaska trip up there. That's new this year. And then Morocco. They just, um, like I said, I'm going to do the very first tour in Morocco um, coming up on February, just coming up soon in two weeks. No kidding. Wow, yeah, that must so, be pretty exciting, huh? Yeah, absolutely. So, so the, it's really fun to to see something totally different. And of course, like you know, there's a gravity about the bike. So sure, people come to you and start talking just because they see a nice cruiser getting gas or wherever. Yeah. Now, well, that Morocco trip. What kind of bikes are you using for that? You know what? It's going to be a surprise to me. I know they have Harleys and BMWs, and yeah. I haven't even asked what I'm going to ride, and I, I, I can't wait to see. Really? No kidding. <laughs> yeah. like going over there totally blind. Yeah, oh, absolutely. no kidding. So it's going to be 100% paved services you're doing over yeah, there, correct? Yeah, we're all, it'll, it'll oh. all be paved. Now, mm -hmm. when you do your Route 66 tour, do you start in Chicago? Absolutely. So we start right at the head, you know, the main post of the, the head Sure. Uh, start of the route. Um, follow it all the way down. And, you know, a lot of people think that, oh, Route 66 really doesn't exist anymore because parts of it are gone or paved over. Well, it's kind of Route 66 was never one single road. Right. You, might know, you might know this. It was a migration route. So sometimes you'll have two parallel roads that both say Route 66 and they're both right because it was a migration route as long as you're kind of going that direction. Um, so we stay pretty true to it, but we don't we do go off to 
to Vegas, for example, during that trip because you're so close. A lot of people who are coming internationally might not come back again. So we'll go 93 miles off of Route 66 to hit Vegas and then pop down on, on Route 66 again. Um, but yeah, we, we do stay pretty true to it, but we definitely don't miss uh, sites that are really close to it. Uh, what's your, I, I mean, of course, you haven't done the Morocco yet, but you, uh-huh. your, what's your absolute favorite one? Um, the Northwest. Oh, oh so really? The, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So, and, and you know what? Part of it, if, because I've done the Southwest literally 20, 25 times. Oh, really? So, so <laughs> I might amend my answer. That The Northwest is what I'm most excited about now, but I've just, the Southwest, if I could only do one in my life, it would be the Southwest um, Wild West Tour is what we call it. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm actually looking on your website right now and I'm checking out. There's a lot of tours on here. Oh my God. Tell me. And that's one of the hard parts is there's oh, so many crap. to choose from. And so we are repeat because customers are a huge part of our business because they think that they're going to do a once in a lifetime trip. But yeah. then lo and behold, they wait. Usually it's two years. It's a gap year to figure it out again. And they call the people on the trip and, and sign up again for another one. But you also have these international tours that I'm seeing up here. Oh, absolutely. Oh, you got and, Australia. You've got Italy, Cape Town, South Africa, Mexico City. Yep. Wow. And, have you and done any of those? Enough, yeah. yeah. So I was lucky oh. enough to ride uh, in the Australia one. Um, I've ridden in Italy. I've ridden in the UK. And so, and Japan, which isn't up there yet right now, but um, should, should be coming soon. Me and Jeff Brown, one of the owners, um, spent eight days riding in, they call it the Japanese Alps. So, um, yeah, the, the Australian one, I think I liked partially because it was just stunning landscapes, but also the people are just so warm and engaging. And, of course, they see the bike and they're just so gregarious. They, you know, they're giving me a hug before I'm off the bike and they haven't met me yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to throw a couple tours at you and I want you to uh, tell me a little story about them. Uh, the Blue Ridge, Blue Ridge Barbecue Motorcycle Tour goes from right. D.C. to New Orleans. Okay, so that 15 one, days. Absolutely. So the music, of course, a lot of riders like the blues. So yeah. you're in the heart of the blues. So the the guided trips, a lot of them are international people. So they're hearing blues played for the first time in America by one of the most authentic sources in the world. So that's that's a blast. Yeah. And then, of course, just the whole culture of the South is, um, I think, different from what most people expect. And it's just neat to be, again, kind of like Australia in a little bit of a different way. Surrounded by such warmth, especially if you're on two wheels. Oh, my God, yes. Uh, tell me about, oh, my God, Milan. Tell me about that ride. <laughs> the Italian okay. job, you guys call it. Yeah, yeah. That's another 15-day trip. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and so if you haven't been to the Alps yet, um, or the Dolomites also in, in, in Italy, it's absolutely to. stunning. Yeah. So, um, and the, the people are just, I mean, beautiful. It's, you go to, you, you go to a cafe on your bike, you park your bike and and you've got four people working there. I don't care if they're a man or a woman, they're, they could be a supermodel. <laughs> it's re, it's really funny. So that's also fun. And the, the fashion sense in Milan proper was, is really neat, but just these twisting roads up in these beautiful hills, um, around in, in Italy. And then the, the, I think they take more time as well. There's just time seems to move a little bit more slowly. And that's, I think, an intentional part of what happens there. And so that's one of the things I love. That's I never felt like I was in a hurry while riding in Italy. Oh, wow. Uh, This one's probably close to my heart because I love it. Uh, Tell me about the uh, ride to Daytona bike weeks. You're starting in Key West, I think. Or no, you're starting in Orlando. 
Uh-huh, yeah. So there are a few road tri- trips that get to there. And that one, again, you just got to get out and ride and, and, and see the area a little bit. Um, key, getting to Key West is such a fun thing to do. Yeah, I know, because I've done you, it. <laughs> be, be, because you've done it. But it's a pretty straight road, right? It's, uh, just it, it's straight, but you know what? You, 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 you want to look around <laughs> because yeah. the, the sites are just beautiful. It's, it, yeah, you're part of it, you know, the, yeah. especially with, you know, you've got the, usually you, you've got the sun. And then for any of the ones from Sturgis to Bike Week to Biketoberfest, you just got to see the wildness and craziness of a bunch of guys who, who want to party a little bit. for. Yeah. And, and, and I don't need to stay in there for like sometimes for work. I'll go there for a week at a time. But for me, if I'm going not for work, you know. Two three days is enough for me just to go in and see the craziness, and I'm and, and I'm satisfied. Oh yeah, tell me about the Baja trip. Okay, so I actually met the owner Chris McIntyre in Baja. I was down there getting some motorcycles back, and he was on a trip. This is in around 2001, maybe, and that is again just stunning because you've got these giant cacti, you've got the whales usually migrating at the same time what we're riding, and then one of my favorite parts though is. Sometimes there aren't real gas stations within one gas tank's um, space apart. So you'll pull over into some small dusty town. There's a guy with a pickup truck with with um, milk cartons full of gas that you pay. What? And then he'll put a funnel in your bike and pour this Milton carton full of gas into your bike. <laughs> and at the same time, all the kids within a half of a mile are, have already run up and they're trying to touch you and get, get <laughs> see if they can sit on your bike, you know? And so, so once you warn them, Hey, don't touch the exhaust pipe, you know, get on the bike on this side. It's really fun because you're a little bit of a traveling circus with, with yeah. all the kids loving to see the, the guys on motorcycles. Well, speaking of this trip now, for example, now this, this involves a border crossing. Now, does that get complicated with a, a group of 15 people plus whatever crew you got? How many crew do you usually bring with you on trips like this? So for the Baja trips, we always have somebody who lives in Mexico go with us. Okay. Um, we never never had any problems with the, the border crossings. We always go as a group. Um, we get Mexico insurance before they're there. So right when you get there, you just show the guy that your bike's already insured for the crossing the border and everything like that. So um, And we don't cross in Tijuana. It's I can't remember the other one. It's on uh, the more west side of San Diego and it's a much smaller border crossing that okay. isn't nearly as crowded um, so so the ones every time I've crossed it it's been a breeze alright it's time to talk about your safety while you're riding everyone knows that when you're on your bike you dress for that slide and not the ride because accidents and road rash can happen and they both suck we know that but with the help of Tobacco Motorware, we can make road rash a thing of the past. That's why I love the gear from our sponsors over at Tobacco Motorware. Tobacco is known for making the best-looking riding jeans in the world. That's because they start with premium products like premium fabrics and selvage denim and canvas, and then they add the protective elements, you know, comfortable anti-abrasion linings and armor. You know, other brands out there make you look like a stormtrooper or like they pick up a pair of saggy dad jeans, but we don't want that, right? You want to look stylish, and that tobaccos are stylish, and you're going to want to wear them every time you're on your bike. And even when you're not riding, they're that comfortable. They have multiple fits and styles of protective jeans for men and women, so you can find something that matches your style. They also make jackets, and they make vests and riding shirts, and you've heard me say it before. I love my California riding shirt. And I also love my tobacco riding jeans. And I wear them every time I ride. I won't ride without them. Not only that, nearly every time I wear them, somebody asks me about them. Tobacco believes that the safest gear is the gear you will actually wear. 
That's why they make products that look good and protect you while you're riding. And tobaccos are made right here and to last in the USA. No need to sacrifice style for safety or vice versa. So go check out TobaccoMotorWear.com. That's TobaccoMotorWear.com. And our listeners will get 10% off your order when you use the coupon code MOTORMAN. Your safety is very, very important. And you go all the way down to Cabo San Lucas, and yeah. then you make the U-turn come uh, come back. Now, yeah, if, if you, you don't, well, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. You can do one ways as well. Oh, you can. Yeah. Then how do you get back? Uh, you fly back. <laughs> you fly yeah, back. yeah. Not near, not nearly as fun as it, Ted. <laughs> no, absolutely no. So let, let me, uh, if you don't mind, I like to throw the numbers out here to give people an idea. Is that that cool with you? Yeah. Okay. So now this is 16 days. That's yeah. 16 days and 15 nights. Starting at thirty nine sixty. Now, what does that price include? It's actually. So, uh, let me call this out first. It's twenty four hundred seventeen miles. That's round trip, correct? Yep. yep okay. Yep. Wow. Spring, winter, and fall. All right. Mm-hmm. So now, what is what's it? What's included in that? What is that price? So it's not travel to get to the motorcycle. Okay. But it's the motorcycle. You're going to have an insurance option that's about thirty five bucks a day, I think. Okay. Um, and then there's, like I said. Breakfast is included, hotels included, bike in front as a guide is included, van driver behind you is included, um, fuel is included, you can have extra baggage if you want, and um, hotels, the welcome dinner, the end dinner, a jacket that you keep is included, a support the whole way. Um, so the main thing that's not included, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, would be the lunch, dinner, drinks, souvenirs. Right, so, so just your meals in between yeah, is what yeah, you have to exactly. pay for yourself. And yeah. I have to imagine that with a trip like this, Meals can't be that expensive. No, in Baja, absolutely not. Oh, okay. And how is the food going that way? You know what? I hope you like Mexican food. <laughs> if, you, if you don't like Mexican food, it might be a little bit of an issue, actually. But no, it's brilliant. Really, really good. And the funny thing is, Mexican food in Mexico seems so different. It's not Taco Bell, for sure. No, of it's, course. You know, I can imagine, yeah. Yeah, a lot, lot different. Now, do you offer the tour videos of each location? Because I see that with this Baja when you have a tour video. Now, is that... Yeah. Is that like pretty, a? It's like a little teaser for whoever wants to go. Pretty much all of our major tour, all of our major tours actually have a, a video on the website um, that you can see and look at the t- whole tour. Sure. And a lot of them have a little clip every day actually of maybe somebody talking about what to expect that okay. day a all little right. bit. And and we at the very when I first started my tour company, I tried to let everything be a surprise and didn't let no people know where we were going and that we were going to see this really amazing person or that we were going to see this amazing site. And then I realized, you know, that because I liked them to discover what was happening as it was happening. And then I realized most of the people spending, you know, six grand for a, a, a tour, they want to know what to expect and they like it just as much, even though they on paper know exactly what's coming up. Yeah. Now, when you do these tours and you have the group, does everybody stay together? As the group? Mostly. Mostly? Um, when, we have a, when we have a group of 15, they're usually together. You got the bike in front, the van in back. Um, the, there are other groups that spread out a little bit more, yeah. and, but they just know where they're going to spend every night. But most of them, and they don't need to ride in a super tight formation unless they're, when we're going through a, a city or, um, yeah. then, then we want to stay tighter just because it's safer. And, but after that, sometimes different groups are different. Some want to yeah. stay tight. Some want to spread out a little bit. And, you know, we're not we're not bonsaiing all the way up to Vegas, you know, bar to bar with four inches between our tires, uh, <laughs> like no, I do with not. some of my friends. Yeah, oh. yeah right. <laughs> but but we're, we we usually stay as a group. Yeah. All right. Uh, do you ever deviate from the route? 
It depends. If there's a hurricane coming through, we absolutely do. No, I mean, just like say, oh, look at that. Let's go check that out over there, what that is. You ever do something like that, or is it just, yeah, now? Nah, yeah. we just stay on a path? No, no. It, it, there's a little bit of flexibility for oh, sure, good. and right. the, 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 the tour guide and the people will make that decision. And you know what? If somebody was on a guided tour, but their brother lived in a, a, a town 20 miles away from where they're stopping – no, nobody's going to die if he goes and visits his brother for the night and then joins the tour the next morning. Oh, so sure, yeah. there, there's, there's definitely flexibility. Okay, good. Now tell us about the membership plans. If somebody wanted to join up with the Eagle Rider, but you don't have to join, you don't have to create a membership to rent no. the bike from Eagle Right. But you Absolutely do have membership do plans if people, if people wanted to. So why don't you tell us about that? Uh, I'm going to stick with the basic one because that's right. the one that's tried and true. Um, Eagle Letter is still developing some uh, what they call premier plans. Sure. Um, and we, we talked a lot about uh, at IMS shows this last few months um, uh, about them. But the fact is we're still refining a little bit. Okay. Um, Eagle Letter is still refining these things. Um, the basic plan, 29 bucks a month, gets you one rental credit, which is a, the day's rental, right. um, per, per month. Mm-hmm. And then when you get the next month, you either have used yours or you accrue another one and you can keep accruing these up to 24. Oh, no kidding. And oh, that's yeah, good. yeah. So some people want to ride one day a month and they're happy with that. Some day, some people want to wait them all up from, for example, January to May or January to August and then go for a one week long ride. And the, the rental credit is the ba- base pay of the, of the bike, but you still have an insurance option which is, I think, like I said, 35 bucks a day, basically, tax and environmental fee. So you're still about 45 bucks in every day you, you do rent. And that's, but if you have insurance to cover it, you don't have to do that, of course. But so basically, if you need our insurance, it's, it, you're all in at about 79 bucks a day, um, okay. for, which, is, which is, I think, 70% off the price of most of the big bikes. Some of our big bikes are two or even a few. One bike, I think, is three credits. I can't remember. I think it might be the Ultra, Ultra Classic might be three credits. All their big bikes are two credits, and then um, Road King and Smaller, which is pretty big still, yeah. are one credit per day. All right. Now, suppose I don't want a membership, and I just walk into a place and says, I want to rent a bike for a day. How much yep. is that going to cost me for a day? You can get a Yamaha, what is it, Tenere, for hmm. 49 bucks and plus insurance, 79 bucks, Or you could get a Harley-Davidson. The quick answer is going to be between 165 and 200 bucks a day. A day. And that includes your insurance and... Yep, yep. That's just that's kind of it. an all-in um, okay. uh, number. And that's a, that's a, that's a gauge. Uh, I have the, the rates, I haven't been, I haven't looked at it in the last week, but okay. that's a pretty quick gauge. All right. So now everybody can go to uh, EagleRider.com and it just, it's all there. It's all there. It's Absolutely. all there. Now, yeah. aside from Eagle Rider, you're, you're a pretty busy guy. Absolutely, it's been. There's a lot to do in life, isn't there, Ted? Well, you you live an extraordinary life. I mean, I was looking through everything that you do, and so why don't you tell us about Eric Severson, the writer? You got a public speaker, you know, a motivator. You got books. Just yeah. What's going on? All right, so so I started writing. I had some adventures, and I started writing these narratives about my life. First, for true first-person narratives, even way back when I was seventeen, I mentioned that first day I wanted to get a Harley was I wrote that story down and what happened, and then just uh, about five years ago, 
I got enough and I started sharing with a few friends and they're like, man, you should gather these and try and do something with them. I showed it to a book agent just again. So I now have 42 stories of my life. And he basically said, it's not done. He goes, this is great stories for you and your friends. But if you want this to be a book that people are going to enjoy, you need to make it more reader centric. So I spent a full year modeling. How did these experiences either make me feel a sense of belonging, transcendence, the allow me to tell my story um, or give me a purpose in life? And then this lady called Emily S. Bonnie Smith wrote a book called The Power of Meaning. And she says, these are the pillars of meaning. So how did I find meaning in my life through these things? And then hopefully the idea is other people can discover theirs. And, you know, Ted, I was really happy that it it, it rocketed to the top of Amazon and was bestseller for quite a while. No kidding. And Yeah. And then oh, that led awesome. to some... Yeah, public speaking things. With The name of the book is Ordinary to Extraordinary, and you can find it on my website, ericseverson.com. You can also find it on Amazon. Just you know, write Eric Severson or Ordinary to Extraordinary. You'll find it easy. And so it's been a, a real blast for that and speaking to different businesses about the concept that everybody has the ability to choose to be extraordinary. I was born into an average middle-class family house outside of Tacoma in a little suburb called Parkland and ended up to go to... 86 countries, all 50 states, um, done some neat things, lived, lived at the tribe of Indians in South, in, in the Amazon, had a gut machine. Well, 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 back up, back up. Hold on. (laughs) You lived with a tribe of Indians in the Amazon. Absolutely. So I studied anthropology at UCLA, um, and then anthropology again at the university of Virginia. And I studied a tribe called the Wayana. And so I went down and basically all by myself, I had to have permission from the government to go deeper in the forest because it's protected for the Indians um, because of disease and exploitation. And so I basically paddled two weeks. I I found somebody to get me in there um, and paddled two weeks upriver into this protected area for Indians in the Amazon. And luckily I found a French doctor who goes into the Indians once a month to give them medicine. And so I, my first introduction to them was through him and an Indian translator um, Wyana translator go, going up to introduce me with them. So I lived with them for six months, um, 600 miles from the nearest outpost, um, which is a little tiny town. And then the rest of it was just jungle and me and the Indians. Wow. So that's a, a completely different way of life. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. I, I have to imagine there might've been a little bit of, Oh, I don't know. <laughs> a little bit of, yeah, you had to really get yourself acclimated to that kind of lifestyle, huh? The, well, the funny thing is, that, so the first night I, I get into this village and the, 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 the doctor asked the chief if I could stay there. He happily said yes. And so they, they, do, they drink this drink called Kashiri, which is this mildly alcoholic drink that um, the old women chew up manioc and then spit it into a vat and it ferments. Um, and then so we start drinking that right away, which is they're getting to know somebody. And so the next morning I wake up in, in my hammock tied him to this guy's hut. And I brought seven pairs of boxer shorts up with me because I thought that was a nice round number for days of the week. And even though that doesn't mean anything to them, I wake up the next morning and I see six under six Indians wearing underwear. <laughs> 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 so they've just gone through my pack. My pack is everything because there's no personal ownership among them. So it's not stealing. They just, you know, went through it and they thought it was a neat, neat thing. So, so they wore it for a few days and then they all disappeared. So I had one pair of boxer shorts for <laughs> three months. I stayed Three months, two different times, so six months total. Wow. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's yeah. a very interesting experience. Wow. Uh, yeah. And I, I see here that uh, you, you did some climbing, mountain climbing as well. Absolutely. So that's one of my, my – that's my main hobby outside of um, – work is mountain climbing. So I've climbed the, I've climbed the highest peaks in, I think it's 13 countries and, um, 
11 states right now. And the last one I just did was Mount Elbrus with Chris McIntyre, one of the owners of EgoRudder. Um, and it's the highest in Europe. It's um, 18,500 feet. So we were eight days on the mountain um, wow. up in, it's on the border of Russia and Georgia and Southern Russia. Mm-hmm. That was an amazing experience. Just, and it's the challenge, Ted. It makes me work hard. It's miserable often. It's cold. It was negative 30 degrees. I got a bit of frostbite on my face. And, and then, but you, when you do it, it just makes all the life challenges seem easier. And it makes us realize that, you know, when we set goals and work hard for them, we can do them. So it, you really just like really push yourself to that all level uh, on purpose. Absolutely. Pain is I think pain people don't experience pain enough as one of the things I like to think. Well, so not, I'm not, not, not I don't shy away from pain. <laughs> pain in the hardship sense, not so much pain as well, maybe there might be some physical pain, but I have to be in pain in the hardship sense because it's you know, yeah. you subject yourself intentionally to these hardships and hope to come out on top or you maybe you plan to come out on top when you do these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes I have to come to terms with failure. Chris and I didn't make the mountain. We were 170 meters from the summit of this giant mountain and um, lightning struck. And so we were with a Russian guide. We did mountain was above our ability by ourselves. And so we stopped. Lightning struck again. And the guide said, we go down now. No <laughs> negotiation. And because and so we had to, we failed. And luckily, Chris and I stayed on the mountain. And two, two days later, there was a break in the weather. And we were able to summit. But we had to get, come to terms with where we're going to go home after having failed. Um, so, uh, and that's another good thing. It's good to learn that sometimes too. Well, tell us about some of the writing that you're doing. On motorcycles? Well, I just uh, or, some essays, articles, and short stories oh, and things yeah. like that. Your journals and magazines, your newspapers you're in. You're just yeah, yeah, right. nonstop. So, so, so yeah. So some of, a lot of them do with motorcycle riding as well. And in the book, Ordinary to Extraordinary, there are three of the chapters, uh, basically, which is an experience um, that deal with my my riding. One yeah. of them deals with the very first day I wanted to get a motorcycle, and I was riding. I was I, 17 years old, I think it was, and I was riding a pedal bicycle from Tacoma, Washington, to uh, Los Angeles. And as I'm riding down, I'm somewhere near San Francisco. Um, I think it was just south of San Francisco, and I'm at a hiker biker campground, which is a dollar a night to to stay. But all the spots there were full. The guy said, "Hey, just go to the end of the campground and choose a spot, and you'll be fine." So that was good. And here I am with my bicycle. I make my tent and get my fire going. All of a sudden, this roar is thunder starts approaching me and the, a, an outlaw bike club surround take, takes over the two campsites next to mine. Um, they get off, they're slapping each other in the back. They open the back of the van, Jack Daniels beer. And they were just, and all of a sudden two of these monsters start walking towards me. And I'm like looking back at who, what's behind me. And I'm sitting there roasting a hot dog <clears throat> on my little fire and <laughs> scared to death. This guy, big monster, big beard, big, probably 12 inch knife on his belt. He says, can I have a hot dog? (laughs) (laughs) So I said, sure. And then the other one's like, man, I haven't had one of these in years. This is going to be good. And so next thing you know, I'm roasting hot dogs with these two hell's angels. And we, and, and it was like, they knew me, they knew me from right the start. And I didn't know why, what this feeling was until much later, 20 years later, somebody gave me a t-shirt that said, legends live where legends roam. Maybe you've seen that Harley t-shirt. I have seen that. Le- legends live where legends roam. And I understood what that meant, thinking back upon that experience. They were just roaming, but they were totally at home. And so in the end of that night, I w- they had this big bonfire, this big whole kinds of meat. I, I don't. It wasn't a whole pig, but it was pretty much a pig. 
And so then they invited me over to hang out with them and I was eating mass quantities of food with them. And the next morning, they were done probably 4, 4.30 in the morning. Um, but seven o'clock, they were all up getting their bikes ready and I packed, got up my stuff up and went over and hugged them <laughs> goodbye. That was the first day I wanted to get a, a Harley Davidson. And like I said, five years later, yeah. um, uh, I, I did. Um, there's another, uh, another story. I'm not going to tell the whole story, but Another story about an experience crossing country and meeting a group of bikers that really took care of me. And I learned what brotherhood was at that moment. Oh, and then there was nice. another one where I met a, a, a woman. I was sleeping on the side of the road in what I thought was the middle of nowhere. Um, but I ended up to be on an Indian reservation. And I had this great exchange with this, this Indian that um, we shared conversation and platonic love. Just fell in love talking from you know, 7 p.m. till midnight. And then the next day she came back to my campsite and I got on the back of my bike and took her for a short ride. And just seeing her have this moment of freedom outside of her really sheltered life living in the middle of the woods that she'd never been away from. Wow. Now, did yeah. you document your every day when you're doing these prior to creating these stories? Were you to keeping a journal or something? Some of the stories I, I started writing right when they happened. Oh, okay. And then, yeah. but then I'm, I'm young and in, on to the next thing. So I'd get, you know, six or 10 pages or sometimes two into a, to a story, but then I'd, I'd be gone. And then about more than five years ago, probably eight years ago now, I started finishing these and then yeah. I finished them and there were probably 15. And then I started recreating the ones that I hadn't, that I realized that should be documented sure. that I hadn't written. And Ted, it was really weird. As soon as I sat down to write a story that happened, because I only wrote about stuff that really impacted me. And yeah. as soon as I started writing, the story came back as if I was reliving it. And it was so clear and easy to do. It was a really neat process to relive these moments as I was rewriting them. You know, and those, them. and those kind of things they can happen any day, like even on any one of these ego rider tours, though, things like that can happen. Absolutely. You know, and, and people, I don't think people take it seriously enough to document what they're going through because these you are things what? you're going to remember, you know? One, one thing I did the first time I, I hitchhiked from London to Zaire and I didn't take a journal, but what I did every single day is I wrote down where I slept. Um, and if I go back to this day, to that little thing, and I just read the line by line where I slept, I can remember everything that happened that day. First night, it was in London. I slept in the runaway shelter. Um, when I get to Morocco, I slept in this little, tiny, cockroach-ridden um, hotel that I could, could afford, sleeping in the sand in the Sahara. If I read one word of where I slept, I can remember the whole day. And so oh. that, if you don't have time for journal, at least do that. Yeah. Now, you do a lot of public speaking, and it's, is this all motivation-related? Uh, I will only do motivational if I can give some practical tools as well. So I like to say it's motivational, but with some practical tools and those tools can either be business tools. So I recently spoke up at Mammoth Lakes Chamber of Commerce. Uh, yesterday I spoke at UCLA to students, um, about, uh, how to be an entrepreneur basically. Right. And so I wanted to motivate them, but I, I wanted them to leave with business tools that they can actually use if they want to start a company. And even if it's somebody's not going to start a business, I want to get them tools in relationship or tools in building rapport, things like that. So yes, it's motivational, but I also want to give something usable as well, if that makes sense. Yeah, I understand. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm pulling a line from your webpage here. Do you see a lot of people accepting mediocre as normal? Yes. Really? Absolutely. You might not think it is, but um, I, I see a lot. I mean, I could, I could go and walk through an office complex 
And, and there's nothing wrong with having a good office job. However, if you're wishing for something more, then there's something wrong with it. If you're comf- if you love it, there's nothing wrong with it. But if you, and it's not just office jobs, it's somebody who's, you know, pulling slugging beers down at, at the thing, not wanting to, to, to yeah. be a bartender. So it, there, there are a lot of people that get comfortable and they're too scared to step away. Well, define, me- com- define mediocre. Average absolutely average. So I'm not saying medioc- mediocrity is a, a, a negative. I mean, I think it's a negative term in general, but I think mediocre is just right in the middle. Yeah. Nothing good, nothing bad. No highs, no lows. Yeah, I understand. So despite uh-huh. the fact that someone may uh, love what they do and do what they love, that still doesn't necessarily mean that they're living above average. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. And if they love what they do, I think they're all right. It's the guy, it's the person who's um, either any job you want to say, whether it be, you know, doing coffee at Starbucks or being in an office cubicle or even being an executive. Um, if they know they can do more, if they w- wish they were doing more and don't do more, or if they wish they were on vacation, not vacation, if they wish they were f- more free, it's just the person who's doing the routine because they don't know how to get out of it, yeah. but they wish inside that there was something different ah me and you have to talk later <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> but uh now your book uh might have to run it through me one more time the, the title of your book your ordinary or- to extraordinary all right now yeah. in in depth can you well not too much in depth i guess but yeah. <laughs> can you tell me about the book yeah so they're they're reduced down to 20 Two narratives about my life. Like I said, living at the Indians was a, a few of the stories deal with them. The motorcycle riding experiences, living in Paris was one, fighting Muay Thai in Thailand. And so there are experiences I had. But the book's not only about me. There's It's divided into how did these experiences make me feel a sense of belonging? Yeah. And how can you gain a sense of belonging by doing a few things different? How did these other experiences give me a sense of purpose? How can maybe you find purpose in your life? And at the very start, I love my introduction because basically it says, if you're in a really good spot in life, you might enjoy the stories of this book, the adventures of this book. But if you're in an average place in life, maybe this book is going to help you see points of meaning in your life that are already there. And if you're in a really hard place in life, a place that you don't like in life, hopefully this will spark something to you create meaning in your life that could be there that's not right now. So that's kind of the three tiers of where it's going and uh, how people can get purpose. The subtitle is um, how belonging and purpose can transform your life. Absolutely. You know, I read a book not too many years ago about uh, how to live a life of purpose. Oh, great. So so many people don't, you know, it's just wake up, go to work, come home, go to bed and that's it. But, and they, and they miss that purpose. And as a result, they lack the goals that they need to get to the next level. Absolutely, Ted. And I, and I try and break my routine on purpose sometimes. I, I won't eat for 24 hours and my kids, they got a 13 and a 15 year old and some, they'll want to do it with me because they think it's fun. We'll sleep outside just to, just to remind ourselves how comfortable our beds are. We'll um, take cold showers instead of hot showers just to remind ourselves how comfortable <laughs> they are. And so it's fun to kind of break the routine a little bit and remind ourselves how easy we have it. I've taken cold showers because my hot water here doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I've done that. That's, that's that'll not, help too. That'll oh, work yeah. too. But you know what I didn't ask you is what bike do you ride now? I, well, of course, Eagle Roddy, you ride any bike you want, but what yeah. bike, what, what's your bike now? 
So uh, I told you about the 77 iron head. So yeah. I sold that a while ago and that was sad. I hugged the bike and I made the guy promise to live, abide by a few rules to my bike after I sold it. But I got a 2009 train, a guy named Glenn Bartels, who his dad um, started, Bill started Bartels Harley Davidson in LA. Sure. And so Glenn's his son. I worked with Glenn from 2000 to 2005 in the rental industry um, there too. Glenn for a signing bonus said, first we had a conversation as his feet were up on his desk and he's kicked back and he says, Tell me about your, what's your dream bike? So I described this chopper that was my pie in the sky dream bike. And he said, he offered me a job and he says, and your signing bonus will be that bike you just said. So he gave me a 2000 night train. Um, and then we chopped it up, cut the frame, stretched it out, four over four tubes, eight hangers. Um, we actually swapped out all the black from the night train with a chrome fat boy. So it's right. a chrome night train. It cut the back fender off. So basically it's a chopper. It's a 2000 chopper model after a 77 classic. Is that the one, the bike I see on your website? Probably, yeah, yeah, It yeah. is. Mm -hmm. it's, got a, it's got gun sights on the tank, and it's got a, a sawed-off shotgun as my sissy bar. <laughs> okay, that's clever. Yep. <laughs> that's that, that speaks volumes, I would imagine. <laughs> yep, and the, the shifter linkage is barbed wire, and it's got the steal-your-face on the cam cover. Wow. Uh, with regard to getting back to your book, did you ever, have you considered doing an audio book out of that? Oh, absolutely. You know, and a lot of people have asked, so oh, okay. I just need to get down and, and do it. And Ted, I'm glad you brought it up because that's a, on my to-do list in the next month, hopefully. All right. Uh, tell us about some of the publications that you currently have out because I'm looking. I see it looks like eight or uh -huh. more. Wow. For, for, for the, yeah. So one of them was um, about a lot of them. Some of them were motor, motorcycle related. One of them is called um, when uh, – uh, Weekend Riders, When Death Comes Shooting Through the Door, Leaving Four Dead. And that was about the Laughlin shootout between the Hells Angels and Mongols, sure. I think, in 2001. So that, that was um, published in a fine line. And basically, I, gave, I wanted to give context that because a guy, my wife and I were locked down. They locked down the city. We're walking, and there's a guy with this fringe jacket with a skull on the back, you know, with like the four-inch fringe and everything. And he's talking to his buddy, and he says, man, we came here for a good time, and these guys ruined our weekend. And I just looked at my wife and I go, are you kidding me? And I thought to myself, this doctor or lawyer or whoever he was, because um, you could tell it was, you know, fresh jacket and everything. Yeah. He, he, his, he couldn't throw a leg over a Harley and be James Dean without the outlaws forging that image since 1949, 47, basically. Yeah. And so the outlaws really forged what it is to be a, a James Dean on a bike type thing, the wild man on a bike type thing. And, and I, I bring up full circle that I'm not celebrating the outlaws, but I'm not just, and I'm not disparaging the rich urban riders, but they should at least have context about where this culture of riding and looking like a biker comes from. Yeah. And we should respect it, even though we don't want to be in a gunfight. You know, nobody got hurt by any of the club members. And there, there are two parallel worlds going on, I think, usually with the, the outlaw club members. Um, if you want to step into that, yep, you're taking your light, you're, you're rolling the dice. Yeah. If you don't, which most don't, um, you're not going to be affected by it. Of and course. so, but we, it just it's, it's an attempt to give some perspective to that, and and yeah, that's I really uh, uh, liked getting that out there. Oh, that's good. I'm glad. Uh, well, getting back to Eagle Rider very briefly. Well, pretty much about everything. How can yeah. people learn more about Eagle Rider and all the other services that you offer? 
Absolutely. So the best way for Eagle Rider is the website is really robust. Got got pretty much everything you want. Um, you can find numbers to call there. And um, you know, one of my my childhood friends that we used to we used to take his dad's old Sportster out when we were teenagers. When you're like 13 wow. years old, when he when he wasn't home. So he's he's a good buddy, Sean Fector, and he runs the Eagle Rider guided tour whole guided tour department. And so the website will tell you everything. But there's there's numbers, there's emails there if you wanted to get more information. Is it? I, I have to imagine that it, it makes very good sense for anybody to at least get the twenty nine dollar a month membership. Oh my gosh! And you know what? If you want to ride a different bike every month, or you know, people travel, they go see their brother in Washington D.C. If they live in Seattle, they their their uncle comes into town and they they want want to ride two bikes, so he gives him his bike and he'll do an Eagle Water bike for the thing. So it really is making more sense that people want to ride different bikes and travel and have a bike in their suitcase too. Oh, makes great sense. Any last comments to our listeners about riding, traveling, getting motivated, Eagle Rider, renting a bike, whatever? No, I just I think most of your listeners probably just know that jaw dropping freedom of the road and um it's great to speak with people who like the wind in their hair and like the motorcycle. There's just such a gravity to the motorcycle. I've met great people from hobos who'd wanted to help me because of the bike to the king of jordan the because of the motorcycle there's a gravity of motorcycle of of the motorcycle which is just awesome (laughs) okay hold on you met the king of jordan so he actually is an avid rider a lot of people don't know that no kidding it's it's really really cool and uh yeah and pretty incognito when he rides too (laughs) and and you met this guy wow how about that I mean, how how, how does that, how'd that introduction go? Did he come into one of your stores and say, I don't know, how did that work? <laughs> no, it was actually his his assistant reached out to me. Oh, okay. And said, we, we'd like to line something up. Is it something possible? Oh, wow. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you just say, yeah, well, of course. <laughs> Absol- absolutely. <laughs> but course. also the, the kind of gravity of the bike. We were talking about the stories on the tours. One of my favorite moments was we were last day of our tour in Big Bear and the so we were kind of the bikes are parked out in the hotel which is near the 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 restaurant we were at right. and we're all having fun at our table and everything and somebody anonymously sent over two top shelf bottles of champagne and the the waiter said well he did, he wants to remain anonymous but he said he just wanted to give it to your group and we're like oh that's crazy later that night at the bar we met him and it was the owner of a lot of real estate in town so you know one of the richest guys in big bear and he just wanted to be part of what we were cuz we were at the bikes the next morning at 8 a.m., we're at the gas station pumping gas, and a homeless guy walks over with a paper bag, and he's like, does anybody want any beer? <laughs> and one of the guys says, sure, I'll have a sip. You know, And he cracks open the beer and takes a sip and hands it back to the homeless guy. And, and so in 12 hours, the top guy in town, the rich guy in town, and a homeless guy in town wanted to be part of what we were all because of the motorcycle. You know, you've seen yeah, that. Too, yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Eric, I want to thank you very much for joining me here on the podcast and talking about Eagle Rider and all the other things that you're doing. It's absolutely wonderful. Fantastic absolutely, stuff. Absolutely, Ted. I, I really appreciate appreciated it. And and if any of your listeners wanted to learn more, get in touch with me on my website, uh, ericseverson.com. My email is the same, eric at ericseverson.com. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on you know some of the social media things. And, um, and the, the book, of course, if anybody wanted to read a few fun stories about uh, an average writer, there you go. All right, Eric. Well, thank again, thank you very much for joining me. And stay in touch. Don't go anywhere. I want to talk to you afterwards, all right? Thanks, Ted. Thanks for joining me and Eric from Eagle Rider here in the V-Twin Cafe. 
You can learn more about Eagle Rider by going to eaglerider.com and check out all of the services that they offer. Links will also be on the Motorcycle Man website and, of course, in the show notes. Hey, don't forget to check out our fellow podcasters, our fellow YouTubers, bloggers, and vloggers out there whose links you will find on our links page. Now, all of these media outlets and many, many more out there do great things to promote and encourage our sport and this passion. So for Tim Buck 2, Chris the Joker, Justin Shoes, and me, Ted, wrong way, I am your host. And thanks for listening to the Motorcycle Man Podcast, where we say stupid crap so you don't have to. Enjoy your ride, kids. <laughs>